Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by Jared. What's up? Hello. Um, we're just here watching S.H.I.E.L.D. doing the thing. <laughs> um, we have kind of a, a weird episode, um, but a lot of stuff happens. And there's some comic stuff in here, too, which is fun. So. Um, just real quick, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community, um, so be sure to go check them out uh, on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, butwhythopodcast.com. Tons of good content up there, and we're super proud to be a part of their community. Also, um, the day that we are recording this, this week, it was announced that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been renewed for a seventh season when the sixth season hasn't even come out yet. So that's super exciting. Yay. Um, and it probably has to do with the Disney streaming service coming out next year. I feel like it does. Like, I feel like in a weird way, maybe all the, the fact that that stuff's being done by Marvel Studios, by the cinematic portion, uh, just might make them want to invest in Synergy, you know, across their network, their broadcast network, and it might free up funding like them yeah. putting such an effort into the, that stuff outside of their television side, it might free up funding on their television side somehow because they're worried less about developing other stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know. Hopefully yeah. it means good things for their other shows like uh, like Runaways and um, and Cloak and Dagger as well because those have been pretty high quality. Yeah, I need to watch Runaways. I keep – it's it's – the second season is coming soon. I believe so. I believe I, the second season. I don't. I don't think is out yet on Hulu. I think it's. I think it's right in January or or so. Soonish. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, I wanted to watch the first season. Maybe right season before that. But I'm not sure. And, and it's. I, I recommend it. It's like. It's interesting. The way it deviates from the source material is uh, not my favorite stuff. But it's also <laughs> not. It's not because of that. It's just like it's just interesting. Because like my biggest criticism is just the long form storytelling and the focus on the parents without, without spoiling anything. What happens in the course of the first issue of the comic book takes the entire season to fully achieve, oh, wow. which is just like <laughs> weird. And they just make it, it's half about their parents, which their parents are always a huge focus because it's about the children of supervillains. But mm. at the same time, it was never about them. The comic never has been. And I hope it ever will be. And I like that. Like it's about these kids and the show is totally about their, their parents just as much as it's about them, which is just an interesting choice. I feel like they felt like, I don't know, they wanted to stretch it out maybe, but yeah. it's, it's not, it's not even that part's not even really criticism. It's just personally, I don't enjoy it as much, but, <laughs> but, it, but it's not like a quality criticism. Right. Right. I've heard amazing things about it and it's a super diverse cast as it well. Is. And they, so. they corrected a mistake because the initial cast, you know, was pretty of the comic is pretty white. It was a little diverse, but as far as ethnically, but, but more so uh, as far as like uh, sexuality, I think. And mm -hmm. now it's even more so uh, across the board. And I, I they, they made one character who's Molly Hayes in the comic, Molly Hernandez in the, uh, in the show. Oh, good. Which is, which is <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, and awesome. yeah, no, I, I definitely recommend it. The kids are great. Like all the, all the actors are very good and they're, they're probably mostly in their early twenties or whatever, but they, they do come across as kids. Like they read, which I always appreciate. I hate it when they feel like they're my age and they're yeah. act, acting as teenagers. I'm always like, come on, come on, dude. I went to high school with you. <laughs> <Or whatever. laughs> uh, that's funny. 
Um, but yeah, super exciting stuff in the in the Marvel television universe. So um, yes, and fingers crossed for Coulson. They they tease us. I know. With their, with they, they do a cast list whenever they make those announcements, and you know he's he's listed as at least happening this ne- next season. Maybe it's from Tahiti as a consultant. Maybe he's gonna be pulled back in. We don't know. We don't. We don't know with the spoiler for where it leaves off. Uh, but but he uh, he's not listed for the new one for seven. So I don't know if they're just trying to break our heart and or keep or it close to the vest, right? Because he is yeah. supposed <laughs> uh, again. Spoiler for everything. Uh, you know where they leave off. Colson's fate is left amb- amb- ambiguously. So yes, yeah. I can understand that for sure. They want to keep that as much as they can, but I also don't, does it mean I have to like it? <laughs> I, I can still, I can still have my feelings, feelings hurt by Marvel. <laughs> yep. I agree. Yeah. So this is a great time if you're not caught up to catch up with everything. Cause now we're going to get not only one, but two, two more seasons at least of agents of shield and you know they're going to be dealing with the fallout from Infinity War, which I'm still not recovered from. So it's going to be rough. There's going to be a lot more feels. And we'll be here to take take us through it. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's get into this. Season 1, Episode 15, Yes Men. Written by Shalisha, Fra- Shalisha Francis and directed by John Terleski. Originally aired March 11th, 2014. Um, So if you forgot where we left off uh, this last episode, uh, we left off in Death Valley in California in the middle of the desert. Uh, A a strange woman showed up and she um, met up with this. I guess it was like a a newly married couple. (laughs) And um, the wife goes inside to, I don't know what she's going inside to do, but the husband is standing outside and Lorelai, this is the strange woman's name. She takes the husband with her to off into the desert. So we are still in the desert with Lorelai. She's played by Elena Satine um, and she's with this, the husband that she's taken uh, and they're at like some, I don't know if it's like a rest stop, gas station, whatever it is. And there's a biker gang there and she decides that this biker gang is the better choice for men to do her bidding. She seems to have the power of persuasion. So she's able to sway the will of men and we'll learn a little bit, a little bit more about that. A slight um, aside for, for her real quick. She's someone who is on our list of people who've played several comic book roles already. Oh, because nice. she played Mira uh, Aquaman's like, I think in the, in this episode of, of Smallville, she it was the backdoor pilot for the Aquaman show, but never materialized for Smallville and Aquaman appeared a couple times. I think she only appeared once, but it was basically, a backdoor pilot for for an Aquaman show, and he, she played Aquaman's like I think fiance, but is usually his wife. And right. uh, she was just in the first season of The Gifted as an X Men character, a Morlock uh, named Dreamer, and who nice. had the power of persuasion and mind control, Weird. which is kind of funny. Another Mar- <laughs> she's being typecast at this point as Marvel redheads with mind control powers. <laughs> That's Which there great. are a lot of. So she's got a lot. What? What? With different thing? reboots, she could she could easily be you know uh, whatever. They just had Typhoid Mary and uh, and Daredevil, but in a reboot, she could do that or or Jean Grey. Like there's 
the, the options are endless. I can, I can, but, uh, so the, oh my God, I didn't even think about Jean Grey. Wow, Marvel. <laughs> no, there's somebody there is like into redheads making them do things or like bl- blaming, yeah. blaming their thoughts on redheaded women. Uh, Someone needs to go to a shrink, I think. <laughs> or maybe multiple people. Rest in peace, oh, Stanley. <laughs> Rest in peace, Stanley. Oh, yeah. As we're recording this, Stanley has passed away this past week, too. So. And he did make a lot of these characters up. Um, yes, he did. <laughs> he was, you know, super important to Marvel. I mean, he was the guy. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a big bummer. Um, all right. Moving along. Uh, <laughs> we're on the bus. And Sky's awake. Um, and Simmons is momming her and scolding her for trying to get out of bed. Um, and they're just, you know, they're just like best friends. And I love it so much. Like their relationship is really starting to um, develop. And like a, a lot of like true affection is showing through. And the two actresses are just really good at at, at displaying that. So I'm, I'm really liking their relationship. Um, Ward comes in and is like, a little sentimental and like possessive he's like you know we're gonna make the people that you know people pay that did this to you or whatever i i can't even remember what he said at this point but he was just like i don't know he's a little intense and i think sky picks up on it and she's like what's going on so i don't mm, we'll like, find calm out down later. buddy a little bit <laughs> yeah um so Simmons mentions that Coulson wants to keep all of Sky's blood samples in house, but um, she can't find any trace of the GH325 in Sky or Coulson's blood. And so she's getting frustrated. She needs better um, resources and better technology that they just don't have on the bus. Um, and Coulson, meanwhile, is is not on the bus. He's in a, in Lola and he's waiting like in a parking structure and he's so haunted by this blue alien that he saw in the last episode. So he's like daydreaming about this alien <laughs> and Sitwell pulls up and hello, Sitwell. Good to see you again. And uh, apparently it's it's known that that Coulson's been looking for Fury and Sitwell's like, I don't, I don't know where Fury is. Like no one does. Like if he, if he's off the grid, like no one's going to find him. Um, and then he asks, how is Tahiti? And Coulson says it sucked. And he drives away. <laughs> so not so magical back on the bus. Uh, they pick up energy readings in the desert that match as guardian signatures. Mm. So uh, they, get a team together. They're in the desert. They're driving in their SUVs. And all of a sudden, a Bifrost path shows up right in front of them. And it's Lady Sif, um, played by Jamie Alexander, um, another film character come to life in the S.H.I.E.L.D. universe. So that's really and, cool. And a comics character um, that uh, will have connections for well, yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jamie Alexander tweeted a picture of her Sif outfit uh, the other day in conjunction with the real confirmation of the Loki series from Bob Iger. So hopefully that, that will, I'll talk about that a little bit with the comic connections later on, but that could be something. I mean, hopefully we'll just see her again, but that could be something really cool. Oh my God. Very poignant that we're recording. Yeah, no, a couple of things timed out (laughs) interestingly in real time. And, and because of doubling up on holidays, we will not, this won't be out as distant from uh, our present time. It won't be released as distant as some of our other episodes have been. Yeah. Right, right. Um, very true. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> uh, 
No, not at all. I I for, I had forgotten that she tweeted that out. Um, so thanks. Oh my god! And that show is gonna. Oh, I am so oh, excited yeah. for all the all the Marvel TV that we're gonna be getting um, on the Disney streaming service. Take my money, Disney. I'm, and we, uh, I'm and everyone was like naysaying Shield. You and I are like the only true believers in Shield. <laughs> everyone else was like was like, well, this is gonna be bad things for Shield and, and Netflix. Like they're just gonna cancel all that stuff. It's like. Shield is cheap for them, like it's still yeah. cheap because most of those people at this point, you know, Ward's gone. If if you know, God forbid, Coulson leaves, like most of those people won't have been there from the beginning, and that's what makes TV really expensive is the recurring regulars. Yeah, like it's just like what you know, Fitz and Simmons and and, and May and Daisy, and that's it. Everyone else has, has joined the permanent cast gradually. Like they've assembled the rest yeah. of them. Like yeah, it's not an exp- it's not an expensive <laughs> show. So uh, thank God for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, keep it going. So back on the bus, May is trying to get Coulson to talk because she knows something's up and he won't talk. He's like, no, everything's fine. And Sif is shocked to see Coulson alive because she, you know, everyone thinks he's dead still that he got stabbed in the heart by Loki. Um, And she's like, Thor will be truly happy to hear this news because he considers Coulson a friend, which is really sweet. (laughs) But Coulson's, he asks her not to tell him he wants to tell him himself, which I mean, I kind of understand. But at the same time, I'm kind of bummed because that means that like, they still don't know he's alive, which is crazy to me. <sighs> anyway, so we find out from Sif that Lorelai has influence over men. Only men. Uh, apparently, men have a weakness that women do not have. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, and she wants to put this collar on her to keep her from talking, which wasn't there a collar similar that Loki wore? Or is that something else that he was wearing? I think. There's, they definitely have had stuff like that, like or power inhibiting okay. things. I don't know. I meant to look that up and I forgot. That feels right, um, though. Oh, well. I feel like there was something like that in Thor Dark World, which we know we are not well acquainted with that film, like for the We're third so episode. We're so bad. <laughs> this one refers to like a couple things in it. Like I think it refers to, it refers to the battle that takes place there at one point, and it refers yeah. to the battle and, in, in the first Thor in New Mexico, which, hey, that one we remember, at least- I mean, yeah. at least when we don't get it confused with Thor 2 because we can't possibly remember Thor 2 for some reason. Like, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> and we're not going I'm back. Sorry it's so we're not going back and rewatching it. it is. <laughs> also, when I was, I'm not endorsing it, but at the time uh, that those movies came out, I illegally downloaded Iron Man 2 and, and Thor 2. And both those are bad quality and weird and have like, like they, they're in English, but the captions that appear on screen are not <laughs> like it tells you locations in another language and, and not one oh I'm God. super familiar with like not one that jumps right out at you. <laughs> like, not, it's not like, Oh, that's Spanish. or Oh, that's Italian. It's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's like Russian, but, but it's something. That's funny. Uh, yeah, that we, happens. So that we'll happens. continue to not get <laughs> stuff from Thor, right? Don't please don't beat us up about right. it. We love Ragnarok. Yeah, just the other the <laughs> second one is just meh. 
So Colson takes Sif uh, to like, I guess they're trying to look for patterns to see if there's, you know, any evidence of Lorelai being in civilization. And Sif mentions that shields like digital systems are super antiquated, that they've been using them in other realms for centuries. <laughs> it's kind of, humans just, we just, we're, we just suck. Everyone else is so much more advanced than us. <laughs> um, but Colson takes this opportunity to ask her about various blue aliens in different realms and she's reassures him that none have come to earth she she lists off a whole a whole bunch of of aliens that are blue um but he's not convinced because obviously he saw one in a tube um in the bunker um and they they end up finding Lorelai is in the desert somewhere in death valley so in the lab we discover that the night night gun is officially retired um these new guns that Fitz has developed are called icers, much towards relief. Um, he also mentions that the ounce is fixed too, which is something that goes back to what, like episode two or three? I think so. It's very early. Maybe three. <laughs> it's like super early. Yeah. But yeah, so that's pretty funny that they brought that back. But yeah, no more night night gun, which is great because that's really hard for me to type out when I'm doing the notes. I'm very much relieved that they're icers now. <laughs> much easier word to type out. <laughs> So we go to this bar in the desert, this biker bar, um, and S.H.I.E.L.D. shows up, but and the cops are there, but they are swayed by Lorelai as well. And so a firefight goes off. Um, Sif, uh, she pushes a, uh, I guess it's like a, what are those called? Um, Airstream trailers like in the way to like give them cover so they can take yeah. down the cops and yeah Sif runs inside and and Lorelai is in there and they have kind of a standoff and Lorelai sends all the bikers after her and runs off and Ward is like in the back of the bike of the biker bar and Lorelai finds him and uh-oh Ward becomes swayed by her influence so I guess she has to be able to like they have to hear her voice and also like if she touches you, it makes you become swayed by her influence. So she does both of those things and he is under her influence and they take a bike and they ride off into the into the desert together. <laughs> Great. So now we have a very dangerous operative that knows all of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s intel who is swayed by this Asgardian menace. <laughs> Back on the bus. Um, Simmons asks Coulson once again if she could send the blood samples uh, from him and Sky to HQ, and he very firmly says no. Um, we don't really get to see Coulson say no like that a lot, but he's very firm with her. And Simmons actually fights back um, and is like, if we have a chance to like save people, we need to do it, and I don't have the ability to do that here. And he doesn't give her an explanation. He's just like, no, these are your orders. Do not send it. Keep it in-house. Hmm. So now we're in Vegas. So Ward takes Lorelai to Vegas because I, I feel like she asked him to take her somewhere worthy of like a, a queen or I forget what she said exactly. But Ward starts mentioning that he felt something for someone before. Um, but now that means nothing compared to how he feels about Lorelai. And so who was that person? Was it May? Was it was it Sky? Um, I feel like we know from spoilery stuff, but, but <laughs> totally, if you're watching this the first time, you're like, yeah, what do you mean? Because because he Who has like exhibited queer feelings for Sky, like hugely protective and just like kind and sweet in weird ways. That he's not to anyone else other than May. And even though he is nice, yeah. you know, to everybody but Colson, pretty much. He's not he's not mean to, but you know what I mean? Like he's shown <laughs> specific kindnesses. Yeah. 
many times at this point, you know, to everybody in the cast, but clearly those two are the ones he. Yeah. Well, and I feel like it's too obvious of an answer to for it to be May. So it's like meant to be like, wait, is there someone else that he could be, you know, have feelings for? Um, and also just like the beginning of this episode and last episode too, where he's just super concerned about sky yeah it's they've really they really laid on their dynamic i think thick in this last episode especially like the way he i can't remember if it was just you know pretty good acting i mean it was good acting but i can't remember if it was just that or if it was like specific dialogue that indicated you know that he was like dissatisfied too at other people's like level of worry or outrage at different times it's like why are more people like shaking mad about this (laughs) you know like it just he had that vibe a lot and that wasn't something you do. It's not something he's done when other people are in peril, even even when he has been concerned yeah. and, and had empathy. Very true. Yep. But yeah, of course, um, Lorelai and Ward have sex because why not? Because it's TV. <laughs> it's TV. They're both attractive. Why not? Um, <laughs> so back on the bus, um, Sif and May are talking and Sif mentions being in May's place once, um, that Lorelai has taken a man that she loved and May totally denies her feelings. She's like, nah, that's not where I'm at. Um, but basically she's like, I'm not going to, I won't hesitate to do what I have to do if the time, if, if it, if it comes to that. So, um, hmm, interesting. So <laughs> they figure out where Ward and Lorelai are. So they go to their hotel room, but they're long gone um, and they amp up the surveillance. um, But Ward is too smart. So it's like, this is going to be hard to find them since Ward knows, you know, shields patterns. Um, But Fitz uh, announces that he's fixed the, oh yeah, by the way, the collar was damaged in um, the firefight. And so Fitz Fitz had to fix it. It's hard to say. And he fixed it. And he's like, oh, it's it's in your room, Lady Sif. Here, I'll show it to you. And so he takes her in there and he locks her in the room. He clearly has been swayed by Lorelai. So it turns out Ward and Lorelai are on the bus somewhere. So Simmons discovers uh, she's in the in the med pod with Sky, and she discovers that they're locked in the pod. Of course, uh, Fitz probably locked them in there. Um, and then Coulson runs into Fitz, who's like keeping watch in the hallway and he's just super dopey. And she's just like, Lorelai's amazing. Isn't she? She's like the best. And Coulson just kind of like pr- plays along and pretends to be under her spell as well. So it doesn't like set off any alarms. <laughs> uh, it's like, so s- such a, I, I love Ian DeCare stickers act. I don't know. Like his acting is so subtle sometimes, but then sometimes it's so over the top like because it's supposed to be on purpose like over the top and it's just i just love him <laughs> so may encounters ward and lorelei and uh in in part of the plane and lorelei calls may the warrior with the heart of ice <laughs> Um, and she tells May that she isn't the one that Ward loved. And so we discovered that Skye is the one that Ward was talking about before. And then all of a sudden, Ward does something and Sif gets sucked out of the plane. And so she is outside now. <laughs> um, Coulson finds Gemma and Skye and he gets the door open. And there's kind of this funny exchange when they try, they're, they're trying to make sure that he's himself and he's not under the influence of Lorelai. And he's kind of like, he's like offended, but I mean, like obviously like he's a man, like he could be swayed by Lorelai. So I get it. I would have done the same thing, but it's just funny how offended he was. Um, 
So he and Sky have to override the room controls for the interrogation room to let Sif back in. Um, so they do that. And Lorelai goes to get Sif's sword and Sif pops back in the room and they fight. And then um, Simmons runs into Fitz and Fitz is like, hey, you're not supposed to be out. And then so Fitz starts chasing her and then Ward and May start fighting um, and Lorelai finally gets bested by Sif and she's pinned down on the floor and Ward wakes up from his influence, I guess, f- from Lorelai and May gets in one last punch, even though he's already alert and himself again, because why not? <laughs> so May is in the cockpit and Ward goes in there and tries to talk to her and it's like apologizing and she just shuts him down. She's like, it's over. Like, no more. <laughs> And I'm sorry, but I cheered so hard when she did that because I'm so over them being together right at this point. Agreed. Like, I have zero issue. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, about time. Yeah. I was like, thank God. Yeah. And then Fitz is, like, talking to Coulson. And he's like, I understand why you shot me, sir. And I forgive you. <laughs> it's just like, no one asked him to 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 give that input. It was just pretty funny. So Coulson goes to talk to Sky because um, now she's alert and there's no Asgardian warrior wandering around for them to deal with. And they have a heart to heart. And he tells her about the Kree. And he's kind of upset that she's not more upset about this. And Sky's just like, look, at least we're in the dark together. Like we don't know. N- neither of us know. And it's fine. And Coulson's like upset about that. And she's just kind of like, well, we're in this together. Um, and it's so sweet because Sky just like wants friends and family. Like she doesn't care how dark and how bad it gets. She just wants people to be there with her. And it's just, it's just a really sweet moment between them. Um, but oh my God, Coulson is like out for blood. He's kind of going rogue. He wants to go after Ian Quinn, like in cold blood. <laughs> and this is not probably not something a shield agent should be concerned about. I mean, there's like plenty of reasons, plenty of shield reasons to want to go after Ian Quinn, but there's like an underlying um, other element to this now that's like revenge. So that's a little crazy. It's like weird to see Coulson in that mindset. But wait, it's not over because someone was listening in to this conversation the whole time and it was May. She and she has a secret phone in her cockpit with like a thumb scanner. And so what the fuck is going on? What is May doing? Why is she listening into these conversations? It's very (laughs) stressful. (laughs) All these questions. We know how it ends, but whatever. (laughs) So yeah, cute little episode. Some things happen. Glad May and Ward are done being nasty. Very much agree with that. (laughs) Glad Sky's awake and better. Um, I kind of like this new Ragey Coulson. Yeah, I don't know. And we get more Asgardians, so that's always fun. We do. We have a couple cool Asgardian connections. I can start with who we left off with last week, I suppose, who I already talked about her real-life comic book connections, which is kind of (laughs) interesting. But uh, at least... I find it's a little interesting. Uh, I like it. But she also, funny. yeah, Lorelai, uh, the Asgardian, is uh, very similar to the character she is in the show uh, or in the MCU as she is in the comics, 
where she's a sorceress and a seductress. And uh, we talked in the well uh, episode where we covered that episode about Samantha Parrington, who's the human comic book version of Valkyrie. And she gained her Asgardian powers with a connection to Brunhilde, who's like the actual big giant you know, blonde lady in the comics, who's sort of the inspiration right. for Tessa Thompson's character, the Asgardian, uh, due to some uh, magic manipulation from Lorelai in the original story. So it's like where a lot of the stuff is done because Loki is manipulating someone. In this one, Loki uses her as sort of a go-between. <laughs> and so, yeah. And uh, she ended up sometimes becoming like an ally to Valkyrie and her team, the Defenders, who we've talked about before as well, who were different than the Netflix version because they were you know based uh, around Doctor Strange and the Hulk and Silver Surfer and Namor, the Submariner. And uh, they also had uh, Valkyrie as a long-term member. And uh, she was created by a guy who was on Thor for a really long time in the 80s, uh, who even has characters named after him, uh, named Walt Simonson. And she first appeared in Thor 337 in 1983. And then the other kind of Asgardian comic book connection comes from a character created by the classic uh, uh, Marvel team of Stanley and Jack Kirby. And you know, uh, we just talked about Stanley passed away, but this is just an example where like, he affected everything uh, that had anything to do with Marvel because he created Sif uh, in her first appearance in Journey into Mystery number 102. And that was about a year and a half after Thor joined Journey into Mystery. So it was early on in the career of uh, of Thor back in 1964 in March of 1964. Oh, wow. So uh, she's been around a long time. And her character has gone through a whole lot of stuff. You know, she's a character is introduced as an Asgardian love interest for Thor, I think is like a counterbalance to uh, like a Jane Foster and human kind of love, love interest. Yeah. That's interesting because I think Lorelai actually mentions that in this episode too. Like she kind of throw as, as kind of a way to get under Sif's skin. <laughs> like she's insulting her saying like, she'll never be more than a soldier to Thor, even though that she, her heart desires more or something like that. So and that's sort of how they play it in the comics where like, they do have a relationship, but he never quite, you know, they're never quite super in love, you know, even though they're maybe supposed to be. Yeah. And that's the reason I mentioned the Loki thing and it being kind of interesting is specifically with Loki's death and everything and and their cycle of rebirth. There was a period of time when everyone was being reborn uh, from Asgard. There'd been Ragnarok and there'd been no Thor comic and no Thor for a, many for several years at, at Marvel. They made a big point of it and they like let him cool off and kind of gain mystery and get people excited for Thor again. And when they brought him back, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who was really big in comics for a while and had a huge run on Spider-Man amongst other things, he pitched the story that became Star Trek Deep Space Nine and they told him no <laughs> and then made it anyway. And he made Babylon <laughs> oh 5. God. He's the guy who made up Babylon 5. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm relatively certain. That's, that's right. Uh, but- in his run, he brought back Thor in, to great prominence with an amazing, like illustrated really beautifully by uh, Olivier Coipel, this French uh, artist who's just fantastic, who does a bunch of stuff for Marvel and has for many years uh, at this point. But he brought back Loki in a way where Loki had stolen Sif's body. So people were first seeing Sif and it was actually Loki, you know, having stolen the body she was meant to reincarnate into or whatever. And eventually... Loki's around but in her body and it's weird because I don't see Jamie Alexander in my head I always saw Lady Loki as um, Ava Green but like mm. you know I think it could be pretty cool to do that arc in the uh, in the show potentially and have her for a time be kind of possessed by Loki before he comes back for real that would be 
could be interesting. Yeah. But and that's not necessarily anywhere where they're going to go. But they do take quite a bit of inspiration from the comics, even though they're nothing, you know, direct exactly. Because otherwise, it'd be too right. predictable. But those are really the the real. <laughs> comic connections in this episode there aren't really any other ones yeah i feel like probably for the rest of the season really we're gonna have less and less comic stuff probably not until season two huh because that's when well let's get into spoiler section real quick no problem (laughs) so we can talk freely yeah spoiler section time uh go away if you haven't watched all through season five okay yeah because i feel like the rest of this season is very heavy on unraveling the plot with um Hydra and right. Garrett and that whole story and like a little bit of Deathlock too. Um, and then season two is when we start getting into the inhuman stuff. Yeah. And it's stuff that season two will be where we get into a few new things, but really, you know, Cybertech and, and you know, Hydra are things we've mentioned before in the spoiler sections because they plant those seeds very early, mm-hmm. you know, from the very beginning with Centipede, I think it's supposed to be a weird, in a weird way. With its many limbs is supposed to be a, a hint at Hydra. Ooh, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. And and I, I and it's not direct, but I think it is like supposed to be kind of an idea, a, a, a thematic similarity. But I don't think there's a whole lot new coming up, like you said. Like there'll be a few times I'll mention things that we've seen before in a few of our upcoming episodes. There's concepts or characters that are from the comics we've revisited, but nothing big coming up new until like next season like you said the the inhumans yeah it's crazy it is this is kind of crazy the next couple episodes are super insane (laughs) so we'll just throw that out there um but it's true like like they it's interesting because they keep drawing from comics but it's more it is more and more loosely and there are things where like it directly is informed by the show more Mm -hmm. like the the character of hive uh, becomes important in Hydra, like is someone recurring in Hydra later on? Oh, weird. The, yeah. the the Cree inhuman monster that possesses Ward's corpse yeah. uh, later on, and it plagues everyone for a while, and is really effective villain, I think. Yeah. Uh, but is that, that that's a comic character? It is, but it was introduced after the fact, I believe. Oh. I'm pretty off the off the double check, and I will before we get to that. But but which will be a little while. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure that's something that they like developed from that, and like he looks pretty cool. Like he just looks like he's just made of tentacles, basically. And like interesting, you know. And I and I'm pretty sure that it was inherently derived from the show. Like it's which is neat. That's really it's neat. And you know, like I'm like I mentioned after we stopped recording the other day, and I mentioned initially when we first talked about Deathlock, I believe in the spoiler section that eventually Gemma's fate in the show is not the same as in the comics. We're going to hope she never achieves the same because she becomes a Deathlock. She almost dies or dies and has her corpse reanimated as a cyborg. And it's like, (sighs) nah, let's avoid that if possible. Yeah, I hope they don't go that. I mean, there's a whole new season now aside from season six. So who knows? (laughs) I just hope they don't get as kill crazy. That's my one criticism of comics. Because death is so impermanent, there's really no regard given to it. Mm-hmm. Like, like there should be more weight, but they shouldn't, and they shouldn't necessarily be a revolving door. But it also shouldn't just like happen constantly. Yeah. Like, like the second there's a new writer, it's like, oh, anyone I don't want to use, I should just kill off. Like, no, save them for someone else to use later. Write them out. Yeah. That's good writing. If you're in a shared universe, you know, like, like, like leave them to be in someone's pocket. You know, I feel like um, the show has kind of already done that with um, Mockingbird and Hunter, 
like yeah they do that in general and like ghost rider later on yeah. like when they introduce elements either from the comics or develop new things on their own because like mockingbird is a character from the comics yeah. and they take her dynamic with hawkeye and use hunter in his place and when they do those things they leave them there hanging like like i think that there was even a pitch there might have been might have even made a pilot they definitely tried to sell nbc on a an agent carter-esque like complimentary show because there was a period of time where abc liked the idea of having a show never stop and it would take a break mid-season but then replace it with a complimentary show mm-hmm. so they had Agent Carter was supposed to go in between parts of Shield, right. and then the idea was, I think, eventually when that show went away, that they would replace it with a with a short form Hunter and Mockingbird series, oh, or Mockingbird and Hunter, which I think would have been rad. Right. And and then I know, like similarly, the show Once Upon a Time had Once Upon a Time in Wonderland was supposed to achieve that goal, but it was vastly unsuccessful <laughs> and like lost a hundred percent of their audience. We're like, what? Like just because we like this one thing doesn't mean we we'll like the next. Right. Basically, everybody said, but it, which unfortunately had similar effects with with uh sharing car or agent carter i don't think it was as bad i don't think peggy had that much uh viewership drop off but i, I do think it lost enough that unfortunately they didn't keep it and yeah. hopefully that that could get second life oh with, with the disney play like, like, like literally they brought back what do you call it uh you know clone wars there's no way that Agent Carter is as expensive as Clone I know. I know. There's, and also, there's just no way. Haley Atwell has expressed interest in coming back as well. So she's down. And th- I, th- I think I, they'd be fools not to. They really would be. And they might be. <laughs> but here's hoping, here's hoping they, they, make, they do right by fans and by the characters. And just like there's just untapped potential. There's so much. They hadn't even gotten to the point where her and Stark had been able to develop um, shield out of SSR. It was just starting. It was to happen. just starting. Yeah, like she was just starting to get enough clout as an agent, like a female agent in that time in the fifties. You could get Neil McDonough back yeah. to play uh, to play Dum Dum Dugan again. Yeah, like they could even do something interesting and like introduce the idea of like a Nick Fury senior if they wanted. Uh, uh, like, and play. I don't know who you'd cast to play Samuel Jackson's dad, <laughs> right? <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, no, uh, man, that'd be somebody amazing. But for some reason, I don't think it would be the the other on screen Nick Fury. Right. Uh, there's, there's a made for TV movie with David Hasselhoff. What? Oh yeah, everybody should check that out. There's a Nick Fury Agent of Shield uh, made for TV movie. I believe it was on Sci Fi. Maybe it was on Fox. Maybe it was on network TV. But there was a made for TV movie that Marvel made in the '90s. It was. Like kind of kind of had him dressing traditionally like the shield stuff. I think maybe in like a blue jumpsuit and a trench coat with the eye patch and everything. It was Knight Rider. It was Nick Fury. Check it out. Wow, it's bad. Wow, <laughs> I do recommend it, but it is bad. Like brace yourself. Oh my god, I don't think I'll be watching that. I'll be honest, but it's really funny to think I about. I feel like that <laughs> that would be a really funny thing to do is like an extra episode of, of our show like, to cover it. that. Oh my god, get really messed up. And do that oh oh lord um let's talk about ward and sky real quick um because that's clearly we hinted at it we couldn't help yeah basically talk basically talk about it before the spoiler section but that was that was telegraphed right yeah i feel like i agree and they already had those seeds planted early on like in the first episode where he and mayfuck they make it seem like he's like flirting with her earlier in the episode yeah or or at least connected that was so it's so weird like that episode is so weird now looking back because it's like 
All right. Like you obviously can't compartmentalize your feelings with Sky. So I guess go for this other woman that's like uh, part of your team and you're around all the time. It's just gross. It's so weird. So I don't super, know. Super agree. It's and he's, not cool. There's just so many weird, like he's her SO. Like I feel like that's breaking so many boundaries and he's so much older than her and she's just she was she almost died and i don't know there's just like so many things <laughs> they're like co-workers and he's a mentor to her and now he's like super protective and weird and that's a problem i think um i don't like all it. true i don't like it <laughs> regardless of what we know happens in the next couple episodes with ward i don't like it for many reasons Sky just needs a nice relationship away from S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and Ward needs to die. <laughs> the other thing I want to mention is May's secret that we start to unfold at the very end of this episode. So I feel like, I mean, we know how this ends. Like she's reporting to Director Fury um, at the end, other end of that line. But I feel like it... Um, colors her interactions with Coulson throughout the whole first part of the season. It makes it so that all of her interactions with him and all her concern and all of their heart to hearts had another purpose behind them. And it kind of sucks. Like, and then we find out in the next few episodes that there was actual like warmth and concern behind that, but also like she had a, a, a another mission and right. No, <sighs> we know and at this point with all the spoilers, we know that like, even though she wasn't in love with him at this point, she genuinely cares about him as a human. Yeah. And we know why she's become so cold. You know, mm-hmm. I think about like these stuff with all the irony of the decoy clairvoyant coming up yeah. and, and, and then we actual clairvoyant. And then in the future, we actually meet a character who is clairvoyant. <laughs> who has nothing to do with this stuff. I know. You know the, the inhuman girl. Because whenever they say Oh my God, I didn't even I think, think about that. Whenever they mention her, whenever they mention, they mention him, whenever they mention Garrett as the clairvoyant, I think of her. And I think, God, this show confuses me sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, dang it. Because <laughs> I'm like, they're never going to get to her in this story arc. Like, that's a different character. Uh, but, she, but I just think of, you know, the character arc she and May have. You know, it's like May is such a caring person who has had to, for, because of her job in general and her skill set and her job. And then because of the trauma of what got her nicknamed the Calvary and the child who had a similar situation as, as, or, or not situation, but Providence yeah. as, uh, as Daisy. Like, I feel like it gives this, all this pathos and like, it's like, she's, it, it, it does make it kind of gross and icky, but it also just makes it really sad for her. This is one of the few people in the world that she actually trusts and that she does care about deeply and is in touch with that. Cause there's, a, yeah. I mean, she cares about the whole team, but she's not, she has to cut herself off from that, yeah. but she's aware of how much she cares about Phil as a friend and is being told by her superior. Oh yeah. You got to exploit that. Yeah. And spy on <laughs> And it's for his own good. Like, 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 like Fury is not evil. Fury is doing it specifically to cut out channels that could be spied on by Hydra and shit, but we don't know any of this. Yeah. Like, like we don't know any of this for a long time. It's it's uh, I know it's it's got layers and I think it, it is great for spy intrigue, but it does it hurts and like it hurts on it hurts. multiple layers because you know at each time a piece of the 
onion is peeled back for each of these characters, whether it's their own self-awareness or finding out about what's happened, it hurts each of them. And they're both such good actors. Like you really, really care about these characters because Clark Craig and, and, uh, and Ming-Na are just great. Yeah. Like they did a great job. We event, I think it's episode 17. We discover the fallout from this plot from her secret mission and it is painful. So, Oh, and like, it's just, I wish, uh, oh my God, I can't even like, we'll, we'll get into, I'll, we'll save it for, for when we recap 17, but you're right. It hurts. And it's not, it's complex. She's a spy, but also, I don't know. I think it just brings up the whole conversation about how this life is kind of impossible to do as a team. Like there's a reason operatives work alone and like people that work in like the CIA and intelligence like don't have these types of relationships with other team members because it's hard <laughs> like right and- it's why why there's a why, there's a cliche in the in, I think in fiction but that's based on in reality in the stuff where it's like what don't fraternize with with the people you work with yeah. and it means don't have a relationship but it also means like like it depends like if it's if you are in close combat quarters and they they do want people to bond so that they take care of each other. Yeah. But it's like the, this, even though it is kind of BS, like you said, like we talked about, I think last episode where it's like, she told, she was told it was going to be a non-combat yeah. you know, job, even though they always knew that was kind of BS. But at the same time, it is BS, but it's also, it really is Coulson's last resort. Like we see it from the first episode. Yeah. It's like, I would rather talk the guy down every time. Yeah. Is what, it's how he operates. We talked about how nurturing he is. It's like there's never a time when he's shoot first, ask questions later. That's not him. Well, That's the only character. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he can be he can be pushed into those situations, yeah. like we saw with. What, he, he wasn't even like that with uh last in the last episode when he was trying to get uh, care for for Daisy. It was more that those guys wouldn't wouldn't listen because he begged them like to like like ignore the call sign. Just please have empathy someone's gonna die if you don't you know well like like he he always tries to do i think the right thing even when he's pushed like crazy crazy levels sure but he's no punisher you know yeah it's not like it's not like the trauma breaks him instantly that's true like which i mean that's that's uh, there's nothing i'm not discounting the punishers of the world who who, at least in terms of undergoing trauma like i think that's not there's nothing less heroic about it it's just that's a different conversation that's like yeah yeah. very it's very different (laughs) Yeah. But but it's just the way he processes stuff, you know, for the most part, I don't know. It's it's just interesting. Like, like I feel like she really – she is in maybe the best job she can be for not having to relive that stuff. But she just has to all the time. Like, no, it's uh, – yeah, and the job that she has, especially knowing this, like, wrinkle of being hired by – or assigned by Fury to, to watch it everything it's like she's got to try to be kind of dispassionate to all of them you know like like to keep an eye on all of them and like that's that's got to really suck like especially like you're just talking about how they really um illustrate this episode uh, more and more in the uh, the last arc how close and how important uh not yet daisy uh sky (laughs) and and Gemma are to one another they're becoming very very close and it's like yeah may likes them and they like her but She's, she's got to keep her guard up. Yeah. Like for so many reasons, because of a job, because of her experiences, because of her person, because what, the, what her experiences have done to her personal relationships, to her and her ex who will meet more. Yeah. Ooh, I just had a thought. So I'm wondering, so, oh my God, I feel like I kind of want to save this. 
Ah, whatever. We'll talk about it again. Um, <laughs> so we know that May is the one who put this team together. And we'll talk about that um, when we recap the episode where that exposition is un, uh, is revealed. Um, but it makes me wonder if her resistance to having Sky on the team was that she is this She's disrupting and possibly complicating what May has put together to protect Coulson. She's complicated. Like one of the, the the specialist is is getting feelings for her. So there's he, he's emotionally compromised. Coulson is emotionally compromised and taking risks he wouldn't probably have taken before um, to save Sky. You know, Gemma and Fitz are developing this relationship to Sky as well, a friendship, a deep friendship. And Sky is kind of upsetting the balance around everyone. But I mean, I think May still cares for her and like wants her to succeed and become an agent. But I don't know, like. The, she was so hard on her and she still is kind of hard on her <laughs> as we see now i want to like pay attention to that relationship a little more i think in the next few episodes and also in the next season i think mm. for sure that's, <laughs> like, like that's that's worth examining seeing you know exactly how she kind of treats treats her how i don't know It'll be interesting. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about this more, um, like I said, when that exposition comes out. But wow, it's just like crazy to think about. Um, there's just so many layers. And it's like these fucking spies are like spying on each other and being or you know, under orders from like the top spy to spy on each other. And then the top spy has all this other secret shit that he's not like telling anybody. So the spies have to go find out the secret shit on their own. It's just like, and then there's a, a, another secret spy organization within the spy organization. That's like another layer. It's just so many layers and it's so crazy how all of this like just comes to fruition in this season. <laughs> it, 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 it just always reminds me of like, what is it? The, uh, an animal house and they're on double secret probation. Right. <laughs> like, like that's, that's what they're all at this point. They're all in double secret probation from subdivisions of secret spy organizations that nobody knows exists that they don't even know exists. Yeah. Oh, did you not? Did you not know you're really a part of this other spy organization within this spy organization that everyone else doesn't know about? Don't tell anyone. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's people. Oh man, they've got flowcharts just to like figure out what they're doing every day. Like I don't understand how this entire team has just not imploded because you just can't trust anyone. Like you just don't know who's part of the other. I don't even know. Like there's just (laughs) I don't. Well, I mean, we'll see fallout from that soon <laughs> but oh it's very stressful <laughs> i could not work as a spy bottom line uh, oh yeah for sure for multiple reasons but mostly just because of all the compartmentalization of secrecy and not being able to trust your teammates apparently so anyway i think that's all i have what about you yeah that's everything that i can think of okay um so we'll end this here where can the good people find you on the twitter's or the Instagrams. Uh, if they can find me, I'll be at uh, I Snow Nothing. <laughs> um, you can find me at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess, and you can follow the pod at Project Tahiti on Twitter, and you can send us an email Project Tahiti Pod at gmail um, Yeah, thanks so much for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. We'll catch you later. Bye.